I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Uh, I am joined, as always, uh, by Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari, and this is your moderator, Tom Reed. We've got a lot to get to today. Uh, uh, we will have Ian Cole, uh, former Penguins defenseman, two-time Stanley Cup winner with the club, uh, kind of continuing on our little bit of a celebration of the fifth anniversary of the 2016 Cup. Uh, Ian's got a lot to talk about, and it was uh, we recorded it a little bit earlier Really enjoyable uh, catching up with him. Uh, we're also going to talk a little NHL playoffs by way of Marc-Andre Fleury, who uh, just keeps rolling on. Uh, Vezina Trophy finalist again this year. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about him, a little bit about cap circumvention. Uh, and also we're go- our, our off-season player evaluation uh, rolls on. Uh, we're going to have Freddie Goodrow. And we'll talk a little bit about him. But uh, first little item of business, gang, is uh, the coach of the year was announced since the last time we were with our audience. And uh, Dean Everson, uh, Joel Quinville, and Rod Brindamore were the finalists. Uh, Once again, no uh, Mike Sullivan, uh, who's still not been a finalist for the job, despite making the playoffs every year and winning the division this year. Taylor, surprised, not surprised by uh, Sullivan's uh, exclusion? I guess, I mean, it's hard to argue with the three um, coaches that, that were picked with the seasons that they had. Um, I, I just thought it, Sullivan, like the injuries they had uh, and then winning the division in a year that even, you know, a healthy team, I think a lot of people counted them out um, coming into this season. Uh, I would have... I thought he could have been a finalist. Um, I, I guess the, the wording of the award is uh, the coach who contributed the most to his team's success. So I think in that way, um, it's kind of people can look at it and say like, well, if you have you know like you know like a healthy Sidney Crosby all year, you know like that's a big contributor. So because um, I if you look at you know past winners, a lot of them typically don't come from teams. Um, with stars or their their teams that you know had a big rebound year. Um, I mean, Dan Balsmo won it in what 20, 2011, I think 2010, 2011. Um, but other than that, I mean, like you said, a Penguins coach hasn't come close. Uh, I, so it's if, if having a star it makes it harder to to win the award. I guess that that is understandable. But winning the division, uh, it's uh, I, I would have expected him to be a finalist at least. Dave, jump in there. Well, I mean, I, I have no issue with the three guys who were chosen as finalists. They, they all did pretty good work this year. Uh, none of them, uh, you know, had a, a roster that was utterly devoid of talent, though. Um, you know, um, and, it, you know, it seems like some year uh, Mike Sullivan will be a finalist if he finds a way 
to go 82 and 0 while losing 1500 man games you know that might be enough to uh, have the broadcasters put him into the top 3 um, again you know the the three guys who who ended up at the the top of that balloting you know all are worthy but I don't think uh, there would have been anything wrong with uh, Mike Sullivan appearing in, in the place of any of those three. My thought on this is, my thought on this is that I, I agree. First of all, I agree with you guys. All three of those guys are certainly worthy. Um, if I had to, if, if, if I had to put Mike Sullivan in over one of those guys, I would probably look to the central division. I just, two guys from the same division. Um, I think I might have bumped Joe Quinville if 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 you had to bump one of them. Uh, Brenda Moore did a fantastic job. He may be he may be getting another job here. We don't we don't know if he's going to stick around uh, this season uh, or I'm sure he's a free agent. He's kind of like in the situation Barry Trotz was in a couple of years ago, where Trotz ended up leaving and joining the Islanders. Uh, again, uh, Quinville is a great coach, and that's what makes this this award hard. And Dave, you brought up a good point that that this is a an award voted on by the broadcasters. This is not a this is not a sport sports writer award. No, and uh, you, you know it's it, it will be interesting to see what becomes of Brindamore. It, it's it's hard to imagine that he would leave Carolina. I mean, he's. He's been associated Hello. with that franchise for so long, yep. Uh, yep. even though, you know, he uh, he broke into the league as a player with St. Louis and spent sure. a lot of time in Philadelphia as well. But I think most people do associate him with the Hurricanes and, and the idea of him moving on, you know, would be kind of surprising. But, you know, then again, so was Barry Trotz leaving Nashville a few years back. So, yeah, uh, you never know if a, if a guy uh, can get a better – you know, deal somewhere else. Yeah, so so be it. Uh, you know, more power to him. All right, Taylor. We're, we're it's it's at that time of the show. We are going to flip over to our uh, off season evaluations, and of course, you're going to get the first crack at Freddie Hockey. Freddie Goudreau came in here this season, uh, did a really nice job. Had a couple of goals, nine assists, eight or nine assists. I think career high, career eight assist, career highs there. Uh, going to be a free agent, went into the playoffs, had three points, a goal, a couple of assists. Uh, unrestricted free agent at age 28. Give me your just your your take on on first of all this regular season and playoffs that he had for this team. I think she's. Uh... Speechless. I think she's still, still, she, well, we, we, we know she's a big Freddie hockey fan. That's why that type of thing does happen. We'll get Taylor back in our, in our next segment or she'll try to uh, get back in here. Dave, uh, we'll, we'll send it over to you here. Uh, Goudreau, uh, let's say a career year, but I guess in some ways it was uh, two goals again, eight assists, 10 points uh, seemed to fit right in from the moment he went in the lineup. He certainly did. I mean, I think he's one of the guys that you could say exceeded all reasonable expectations for him this year. I mean, going into the season, I don't think people would have been surprised if if he never took a shift right. in, in the NHL. Uh, but he came up here. He filled a variety of roles, special teams. He moved up and down the lineup. Uh, he was effective wherever they used him. Um, 
he certainly made himself a, a marketable commodity this summer. Um, I suspect that he will get a nice one-way contract from somebody, uh, quite possibly a, a multi-year deal, and certainly for you know considerably more money than than the Penguins paid him. Uh, you know whether it will be the Penguins who who offer him uh, such a deal remains to be seen. But I think he's a uh, a real nice uh, piece to to have around to uh, plug into the puzzle wherever you need him. Yeah, that was that was what I was going to ask you, Dave. It, do you? This is a tough one, though. It, it, to me, it, it's it's still a little tough because when a guy is this old and really has never established himself in the NHL, uh, you're certainly not going to overpay, right? I mean, just it, it's it's been a great story, and he deserves every every penny he's going to get in his contract. But for a team that has to be careful with the money it spends right now, I mean, how, how much would you go for some, a player like this and what, to what term, what, what kind of term would you give a guy like this? I mean, it, it's, well, I, I would be willing to, to go two years. Yeah. Um, I would probably look to get him between 1.2 and 1.5 million per season, which, yeah, you know, would be a healthy raise. I didn't see anything from him this season that suggested that that what he did was a fluke. He wasn't, right? You know, catching lightning in a bottle because he scored seven goals in ten games or anything. He was a good, solid shift in, shift out, two hundred foot player for them. And I mean, you don't break a bank, break the bank for a guy like that. You don't sign him to uh, the maximum eight year, you know, contract. <laughs> right. right. For the uh, the most the salary cap will will allow, but you know, and, and you don't you don't pay a guy for past performance. You you pay him, you know, for for what you expect him to do in the future. And, and you know, I think it's reasonable to expect him to be a pretty solid contributor who can uh, can help you in a, in a variety of roles as needed. Can you can you think of a guy? When's the last time time that? The 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 uh, Penguins had a player like this. I mean, you know, I I think back to those. I mean, I'm going way back, back to when they won the second cup in '92, and some of those minor league guys came up from the Lumberjacks and, and helped them out. Um, uh, is there more recent times? There certainly has had to be a guy like this that has kind of played well at the end of the season. Can you? Th- uh, yeah, I mean, nobody who leaps to mind, and, and those guys, the Jock Calendars and Mike Needham's. Yeah, there you and go. Dave McKaylux, uh, you know, yeah. uh, of, the, of the early '90s, they played well, but they, you know, they contributed in very limited roles. You know, right. Gaudreau, you know, he he worked on both special teams. You know, he uh, he got some top six minutes and acquitted himself quite well. Um, I, I think he certainly performed uh, several notches above those guys. Uh, from the early '90s, it, sure. it was extremely impressive, and you know, he, it's not as if he's in his late 30s or anything. He's you know, right. he he's in his upper 20s. I want to say 28. 28. He's uh, 28. Um, and you know, he's he's a le- at a level at an age, I should say, where guys traditionally are are you know, reaching the the peak of, of their careers. So you know, I. I would be more surprised if he would flop in the future than, than if he would uh, be able to contribute significantly to a team. 
Now, my guess is Taylor was off the line, maybe talking to Goodrow's agent, seeing <laughs> what, what kind of deal could be worked out here in the future. Uh, or maybe so, negotiating uh, a deal with the Penguins for him. Well, I, there you go. She, yeah, well, Taylor's got this side business she's going to get going with these Freddie hockey shirts. Taylor, <laughs> I was talking to Dave about the idea of you have a, a guy who's really had a career year in a very short span, has spent most of his career in the minor leagues. He is 28, uh, but fit in beautifully in, in the time that he was in. So he's a free agent. What are you kind of how how many years would you be willing to offer him a contract and kind of can you put up maybe a ballpark of what you might offer uh Goudreau, uh for next season well i think i said a couple of, uh episodes ago sergey bobrovsky money and and terms <laughs> <laughs> but uh i it's it's hard uh, cause he did fit in really well, but it also was a very limited sample size. So I think that should at least help keep the price down. Yeah. Um, cause this, he, you know, he wasn't in the NHL before and the way he performed this season, it, it was a lot different from when he was in the NHL, um, earlier in his career. So, uh, that should at least keep him affordable. Um, I think something it, it's hard cause I think the expansion draft will play a part of this. Um, because you know, he can play both wing and center. And I know I have Teddy Bluger on my protected, what I, who I would protect, but we don't know what they're going to do. And Carter, you don't know if they're going to protect him. They could end up losing a center. And if they, if they do, that would make Freddie that much more valuable um, because he can't play center and he did do it well when he needed to um, this season. So I, I don't know. So that would maybe, he wouldn't sign until after the expansion draft happens because there's a week between the expansion draft and free agency. Um, but if, if, you know, it does take until then he could be more valuable depending on the results of the expansion. draft. I, I, I would think, and again, even in a flat cap era, I would think uh, all kidding aside about Freddie Goudreau's yeah. agent that, that, that he would probably wait just to see what's out there again, because he did play so well. Uh, it, it looked uh, that we, were, we were talking earlier, Taylor, that it looked like he had been there all year. It just it looked like the guy had just fallen into the lineup and was a, a good fit from the first first game to the last game of the playoffs. So it'll be interesting, uh, and I do think that there will be a market for him uh, uh, out there. We'll, we'll see what kind of market, but uh, very interesting and a really interesting player. Uh, when we come back, uh, it's roundtable time. Back to the wonderful roundtable. We'll kick around some topics, including uh, former uh, Penguins goalie Mark Andre Fleury, who's just having another terrific season, and uh, certainly could be one of the leaders for the Conn Smythe Trophy as we uh, start in the NHL semifinals. So stay with us here on the sixty-six to eighty-seven podcast. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back uh, to the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, As uh, we will have Ian Cole, a former Penguins defenseman, two-time Stanley Cup winner with us in the next segment. Uh, but let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the playoffs right now. Uh, Islanders have jumped out to a one nothing lead on Tampa Bay. And as, as we're recording here on Monday, the, the Canadians and the Golden Knights are getting ready uh, to play in the other semifinal. And, of course, former Penguin goalie, three-time Cup winner, Marc-Andre Fleury still just dealing with at age 36, uh, had, a, had a tremendous season, is a Vezina Trophy uh, finalist, I believe, for the first time. He's finished fourth, fifth, a couple other times. Uh, what a year he's having. And, and I, it got me to thinking, uh, Taylor and Dave, uh, you talk about great second acts in sports, uh, meaning you had a great first act, and that certainly was certainly was won here in Pittsburgh with the three cups. Uh, but this is a pretty darn good second act uh, in a career, especially going to an expansion team. Taylor, what have you thought of just how he has performed since he has left Pittsburgh? I think the Vesna nomination uh, kind of says it all. Uh, I mean, as far as, you know, second acts go, this so this is his first nomination, and um, he's in, what, his 17th uh, NH, 17th season. This is the, the longest uh, – goalie has gone in his career before he gets that first nomination. So um, that's, uh, I think that that's kind of says something that, you know, for a guy to kind of have a second act, like you said, uh, this late in his career, um, it's, it just kind of speaks to his longevity and just kind of how he's been able to rebound because uh, he's, what he's been doing for Vegas ever since, you know, they came into the league. It's, I don't think any, anyone could have expected that. Yeah. Yeah. Let me pick up there with Dave. Uh, Dave, uh, obviously I think when you, when you, when you think of this topic in hockey terms, I think Patrick Waugh comes to mind, uh, had the great career in Montreal and kind of forced his way out on one night and ends up going to Colorado and wins more cups. Uh, that was a very good team. The Colorado team, it was just, obviously they were a couple one or two players away from being a cup uh, contender, uh, we think of LeBron James, who has gone back and forth, kind of picked his teams as he's gone along. Uh, Tom Brady, pe- pe- people in Pittsburgh don't like to hear that. But what do, what do you what can you say about what Flurry has done with it with a going to an expansion team where yeah, it's it was certainly not the Washington Capitals of 1974. Uh, there are much better rules uh, that helped Vegas along, but to take him to the finals the first year and have him positioned this year to maybe win it all. Oh, I mean, he's done some very impressive work. As, as you noted, the uh, team that Vegas started with four years ago, uh, you know, is far superior to just about any expansion team that, that came before it just because, you know, expansion fees have gotten so high and, and new owners actually want to have something to show for their investment. Um, but yeah, uh, Flurry's been outstanding and I, I don't know exactly what constitutes a second act, but 
you know, uh, depend again, depending on your definition, Paul Coffey had a pretty fair one in Pittsburgh after a yep. nice opening act in Edmonton. Sure. Uh, his third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth acts that followed his time in Pittsburgh <laughs> weren't necessarily so good. Uh, but, you know, he uh, he came here and, and won another cup to go with the ones that uh, he, he had won in uh, with the Oilers. Uh, but, no, I mean, Flurry, you know, almost immediately became the, the face of that franchise on and off the ice. And even though there was a brief period where he was uh, bumped down the depth chart by Robin Leonard, I think it's safe to say that he has reclaimed his place at the top and, uh, you know, has secured his place, uh, at least uh, in the short term, uh, among the, the game's better goaltenders. Taylor, we, uh, I, I, wanted to, I want you guys both to, to chime in on this. Taylor, I'll start with you. When, 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 when Fleury left here, I, I, I think most people understood that, you know, how can you not go with Matt Murray? He's just won you two cups in a row. In fact, I think in 17, Fleury actually started the playoffs because Murray was hurt, won him around, and then they end up going back with with uh, with Murray. But my question is, did you see this coming with him? Did you did you think that he would have the success that he's had, or did you think his better days were maybe behind him? It was hard to say with him, especially in the in the playoffs. Um, it he had some rough years, um, and then you know he uh, he kind of split the the starts with uh, Murray in, in, the, in his last year here, and he he did he did well in, in those finals. So it was hard to say because you know playoff Flurry he had a lot of good years during the regular season. It was the playoffs that was kind of um, what I guess people were worried about. Uh, and so, but the, the consistent kind of playoff success he's had in, in Vegas, um, at least individually, um, and especially that first year, I don't think anyone would have expected that. I mean, but that first year in Vegas, he had four shutouts in the playoffs. Um, and I mean, even, you know, the coming into, uh, we're recording this Monday afternoon, uh, they, he's, he has a 923 safe percentage, 1.91 goals against average. That's that's got to be that's among like the best numbers of his career. So I, that no one expect. I don't think I didn't expect this, um, especially this late in his career. I mean, he's uh, thirty six, uh, so I don't know. I think I I, I would have expected him to do well, but not this well. Dave, you brought up a, a great name in Paul Coffey, and and again, he is he's one of those guys who was still really if not at the top of his game, at least close to the top of his game, like. Uh, Brian Trottier to me doesn't fit into that because he was kind of a third line guy. But when 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 Flurry leaves here, do you think that do you think that did you think what's happened was possible that, that he would stay at this high level and really kind of actually in some ways has gotten better? Uh, and as Taylor mentioned, with the playoff numbers. Uh, no, I mean I didn't anticipate that either he or the uh you know, the, the Golden Knights would have the success uh, that they've had. Uh, you know, I thought that he would be a, a really good addition to that team, uh, not only because I thought he could still be an effective goaltender, if not a top-level elite one, and also a great community relations guy. He just he has one of the most winning personalities of, 
of anyone I, I've ever been around, uh, you know, as far as I can tell, has always been universally loved by his teammates. Uh, fans adore him. So I, th- I thought he made a great deal of, of sense for, for the Golden Knights on, on a number of levels, but I did not envision him continuing to play at, at uh, the level he's been at this year, as, especially you know when he was uh, four years into his time in Vegas. Yeah, that, I think that's what's interesting about some of the people that we're, we're talking about, and uh, um, you know Brady is still still really good, but I think Brady has had to kind of change his game a little bit. Uh, we've seen that with LeBron too. Uh, just a little bit different player. They're not quite as dominant. And even like Sidney Crosby, who's still, of course, enjoying a, a great first act, his game has has changed a little bit as he's gotten older. Uh, with a goalie, I guess you can say they can't really change much. They have to play the way he does. But Taylor, my goodness, he's still he still moves well. It's, he's not just getting by on smarts. He's still athletic at, at, at 36. Yeah, even if you're not watching all the Golden Knights games, I mean, he's had a couple of highlight reel saves that make it onto the high, you know, the you know, post game or on social. Um, and you, we, you talk about his personality that hasn't changed either. Like, cause he, when he was here, he was big into pranks off the ice. Um, and I remember it was, I think it was two, yeah, two seasons ago when Vegas came here. Um, it was, Sullivan talked at like five o'clock before the game. So we were all waiting out, you know, for Sullivan to come out and Flurry walks by and Dan Potash, who Flurry always messed with when, when he was here. Um, he has like his little station there where he records stuff for AT&T Sportsnet. And he had his like mic um, sitting on the, on the, he, Potash was not there. He was off. Uh, around the corner, but he had his mic sitting on his chair, and Flurry walked by, and he just he saw it, and like it was like one one motion, he like moved over to the chair, he tucked it up, he tied everything in a knot, and then just kept walking. Um, <laughs> that's how quick his his brain works. He sees something, uh, opportunity for a prank, it got it right out of the way, and it was fun. But then yeah, Potash comes back, has to record stuff for Sullivan, but his mic's all tied up. Um, <laughs> so that's good. But I think when a lot of fans think of Flurry, you think of that kind of stuff, he would always, he because he did a lot of that off the ice. Um, and he's the same guy. Dave, did, did, did they, and I don't want to get into the hockey part of it, because again, I don't think there's a, too many people that aren't re, revisionary history, history people that would say that they wouldn't have made the same move that the Penguins made. But did they miss Flurry in the locker room as well? Just his, his like we're just talking about his personality. You had mentioned how he's a great uh, spokesman for the community, uh, and he was universally loved. W- do you think that 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 they missed him in those first couple years, just in the room uh, with all that was going on there? Oh, I, I mean, there, there's no question that they missed him, but I, I don't think that it had any on the ice impact, right? Um, you know, he was incredibly popular with his teammates, but I don't think anyone sulked, you know, because Flurry was gone. Uh, You know, they understood the economics of it. They understood that Matt Murray was nine years younger than Flurry. I mean, from a logical standpoint, it was, it was pretty tough to argue with, uh, with what the, the Penguins had done. And I, I think they're, big issue when the Capitals uh, beat them in the 2018 playoffs was not that Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't around anymore, 
but that the Penguins simply were physically worn out after you know winning Stanley Cups the the previous two years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I would not attribute any of their uh, their issues in in recent years uh, to his absence. Right. All right. Well, good stuff. And speaking of good stuff, we've got some great stuff coming up here in our next segment. Uh, please stay with us. Uh, the one and only Ian Cole, uh, two-time Stanley Cup winner with the Penguins, uh, will be dropping by uh, here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. And welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. And as promised, we are joined by two-time Stanley Cup champion, former uh, Penguins defenseman, and a man who may have stopped just as many shots as Matt Murray in winning eight rounds for the Penguins, uh, Ian Cole. Ian, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. That's great. Hey, before we walk you down memory lane here, we want to talk a little bit about your team that you played with this past season um, you know, what was it like being the tur- in uh, part of that turnaround in Minnesota and uh, kind of what do the wild need to do to take that next step toward uh, cup contention? Yeah. Uh, you know, when I got traded there, I wasn't really sure uh, what to expect. I mean, obviously, you know, the Minnesota wild have a reputation and uh, you know, I think rightfully so over the past, you know, what decade or so. Um, but I was, you know, very pleasantly surprised when I got there with the, you know, infusion of young talent with the um, uh, culture, with the uh, with the personnel they have. Uh, great coaching staff, great teammates. Um, all the guys are, uh, you know, they kind of got rid of. I shouldn't say got rid of. Moved on from some of the uh, some of the older players that had been there for a long time, uh, and and infuse some young talent there. And 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 really, I thought we were a very deep team. You know, maybe we didn't have that. Um, you know, past the, the obvious guys didn't have that super high end talent, like say maybe the abs or, or Vegas, but uh, a very deep team that could roll four lines and, and roll six D pairs. And, you know, I thought we did that very well. So, um, you know, with the, with an infusion of, of some more high end talent, which is always easier said than done. Um, I think that the future looks very, very bright there. I mean, they have two great goaltenders. Um, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of things there to be very, uh, very positive about. And you've played with some really dynamic players over the years, uh, Crosby, McKinnon, uh, Panarin. Uh, tell us a little bit about this kid, uh, Kirill Kaprizov, and kind of what makes him so special. Yeah, he's uh, he really is. He's a special player. Um, he uh, he's, he's well, first personality wise, he's he's awesome. I mean, he loves he he loves to be at the rink. He loves to work hard. He's always smiling. He's always having a great time. Um, and I mean, and he's a, you know, on the smaller side, but he's, he's put together, he's built, he's, um, so strong on his skates and, and, and loves to compete and doesn't shy away from contact and doesn't shy away from, from hard games. I mean, you saw, you know, you're that good Teams start to, um, you know, I start to key on you. I mean, you saw it with, you see it with Sidney Crosby, you see it with, with elite players all over the league. Um, uh, and you know, it's tough to, it's a battle through that. Um, for lack of a like a better term, like bullcrap, right? I mean, guys are slashing you, they're hacking you, they're whacking you, and um, and he's so good at that. He doesn't get frustrated; he just keeps playing right through it. And he has the skill to make plays, and he has the strength and the speed to 
to play through it and uh, really special player um, and, and has the right mindset. He just wants to win hockey games. Um, and he's, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't care about all the extra stuff. He doesn't care about, you know, wearing the right brands or all ha- having Louis Vuitton luggage. And you know, he cares <laughs> about the things that matter, which is winning hockey games and playing well and getting better and going to the rink every day and working hard. So as far as skill level goes, as far as personality goes, as far as, um, you know, basically everything about him, um, I think he has a very bright future and I'm, I'm very excited for him and for the Minnesota wild to kind of see that come to fruition. Hey, uh, did you have, did you have much of a relationship with Bill Guerin when you guys were here in Pittsburgh and how much credit does he deserve for what's happening right now with the wild? Uh, I, I think he has a, I, I think he deserves a ton of credit. Um, you know, there are, uh, you know, we kind of, um, you know, like I said, uh, moved on from the old guard, uh, if you will. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm, some people weren't happy about that, you know, uh, whether fans or, or people in the NHL or, or whatever, right? He, um, you know, he had to make tough decisions and he made them and he stuck to his guns. And um, I think he deserves a ton of credit for, um, you know, having the spine to say, hey, look, this isn't working. We're kind of just treading water here. How do we um, streamline things? How do we move forward? How do we get better as a team and, and get better in the long run? Um, you know, and I think he said it this year at the trade deadline. He's like, hey, listen, you know, we're not in the, you know, yes, we've had a great year. We've, we've overachieved. We've uh, exceeded expectations. But, you know, now's not the time for us to go all in. And, and there will be a time for us to go all in. It's just not right now. And I think that that really shows his commitment to his vision. Um, and, uh, you know, as a team, you know, would we like to, you know, add two all-star players to the deadline? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, you want to win. Um, but he stuck to his guns and, and, and let us as a team try to try to figure it out. And I think we, we did a great job as a team. Um, but I think it, his vision only bodes well for the future of this team. And, and, and he, like I said, he sticks to his guns and, and uh, he's not afraid to, to, to piss some people off to, to get it done. And I think that's what you need in GM. You know, he's not there to make friends. He's there to create a winning hockey team. And you know, he certainly has taken the, um, you know, the first steps to do that for sure. Ian, you're a, you're a free agent this offseason. Would you like to remain a, a part of the Wild, or just what do you see happening this offseason for you? Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, there's, um, you know, with the salary cap uh, not moving, and, and I mean, I think there's only, what, five or six teams that aren't basically within a million dollars of the salary cap. Um, it, it's going to be tough. Money's going to be tight. Um, so it, it's, it's tough to say. You know, the Wild have, you know, I, I believe the number is like $22 million in, in cap room. Uh, going into the next season, and they have to sign Kaprizov, Erickson Eck, and Fiala. Three, you know, top-notch elite players. Um, so it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them to find money. Um, would I love to go back to Minnesota? Absolutely. I had a great experience there, great team, a great bunch of guys. And like I said, I think a, a great future. Uh, the team has a great future there. Uh, but uh, it's tough. I mean, I would love to, but it, it depends if, if we can get a deal worked out. So, um, you know, kind of open to uh, open to anything at this point. And, uh, you know, I think it'd be foolish to, you know, be too focused or, or pigeonhole yourself on one thing with given the uh, financial landscape of the league right now. Obviously, a uh, shot blocking a huge part of your game. Do you keep a running total of how many bones you've broken uh, doing just that over your career? Uh, you know what? I, I think that. So I was thinking about this. I have not. <laughs> 
until this year, I had not bro- broken any bones at all from blocking shots. I mean, other than my teeth getting knocked out, um, which <laughs> broke my jaw, which I guess that was a broken bone, but that was more of a fluke to be honest. But until then I haven't, I hadn't broken a bone in, in 11 years, uh, in pro hockey. Uh, but I broke my, I broke a toe this year blocking a shot. So that was the first one, uh, that I broke. So, um, I'd say overall, it's a pretty good, pretty good run. You uh, you obviously won two cups in Pittsburgh. Did did one of those uh, stand out more than the other for you? Uh, looking back, um, I don't think one stood out more than the other. Um, I think that they were both unique in their own right. I mean, uh, sixteen was uh, it was such a great experience. We were just you know we were just gelled uh, as a team at the right time. Uh, we were just rolling. We were rolling and and such a confidence in our team as far as, oh yeah, you know, we got to win, you know, we're going into game, you know, six on the road against Tampa facing elimination. And, but like, there was still a ton of confidence that we could win game six and win games or sorry, six at home, seven on the road, Um, you know, win game six, win game seven of that conference finals. So I don't know. There was just a ton of confidence in our team and our game. Um, and uh, I, I think that that speaks to the culture of that team. Um, so that was just, it was a ton of fun. It was the first one. It was just like a whirlwind that led to just like a, a huge party. And it was awesome. Um, the second one was, uh, you know, we had one. And, you know, while it was, it's obviously incredibly hard to win again. Um, you know, there was a ton of um, fatigue built up. There was a ton of uh you know, it, it was hard. It was it was really tough going there, and, and it wasn't like we were, you know, President's Trophy winner that year. I mean, we were good, but there were still some highs and lows in that season as well. But, you know, I think that the um, the experience you get from the first year uh, really can help in the second year, uh, and, and I think it leads to a confidence in your team game in a different way than you are when you're just rolling. Uh, you know, your yeah, you, know, you, you seem like you can't lose. Um, in, in that second year, it was okay. Like, yeah, we might've lost. We might not have played well, but like, we know we can still get this done if we come out and play our game and have confidence in our guys. It was just a little bit of a different feeling. Um, and then by the end of that, it was, uh, and I've said this before, it was, it wasn't as much of a party. I mean, it was, but it was more like, Oh, holy crap. I'm exhausted. I just want to go to sleep. So we'll have a couple of beers. We'll, we'll drink out of the cup. It'll be great. And then I'll go take a nap for, uh, for a couple of days. So uh, definitely a different feeling when we won, but, uh, but, but, but equally, uh, equally, uh, equally great. Uh, Ian, aside from the, the nap stories, is there uh, a, a moment in one of the Stanley Cup celebrations that stands out to you that is a particular favorite for you? <laughs> um there's a lot of them i don't know how what uh what rating does your does your podcast have oh like we're a... tri- we're triple x so go for it oh uh well uh i would <laughs> uh, probably have some of those too to be honest um but uh but it, it was a ton of fun i mean we were in you know they're uh, kind of like the penguins tradition is to is to take the stanley cup into the pool right uh, whether it's at uh, Mario's house or at Sid's house. And, uh, you know, the first year we were at Mario's house and, and uh, you know, Sid was like, yeah, like, let's go take us in the pool. And, and the, 
the the cup handlers were there. I forgot which ones at the time, but they were like, yeah, like we're not going to the pool this year. Don't even think about it. Like we're definitely not going to the pool. Like we can't have it on the, you know, filled with water at the bottom of the pool against it. It's just like, oh yeah, you know, totally. Yeah, definitely not doing that. And they're like, yeah, no, seriously, like we're not going into the pool. He's like, no, no, definitely not. Like, I'm just going to go in, grab a drink. So he grabbed the cup, went in, grabbed a drink. Like a couple of minutes later, he walks out in his bathing suit and just walks straight in the pool and jumps in. <laughs> and uh, so it was, uh, they were just like, they're like, oh God, like face palm. What are we doing? We're back in the pool again with the, with the cup. But luckily everyone was um, still coherent enough at that time to, uh, to uh to not let it sink to the bottom of the pool and and you know because you know it's got the bottom on on the cup but it's not airtight so when that thing fills with water it's full of water and it the water's not coming out very easily so that 35 pound cup turns into about 100 pounds with water filled with water and uh it is it is tough to get out and um you know it was it was just a ton of fun in the pool i mean mario was bringing out cases of dom perignon guys were spraying it everywhere i mean that pool was probably half dom perignon by the end of the night and uh and it was a ton of fun it was it was a it was a super it was it was an awesome time uh in a future podcast we can get into whether sid has an above ground or in ground pool um but you you (laughs) it was a it was above ground and we all ran in circles and created a whirlpool (laughs) you kind of touched on this uh, indirectly. How big of a deal is it to you that you were part of the only team to win back-to-back cups since the Red Wings in 97 and 98? I mean, I think it just, uh, yeah, like I think you said, uh, you know, I, I, I spoke briefly, I mentioned it, um, but I think it just leads to, it shows the culture of that team, right? That, um, you know, from, from Sid on down, that, um, you know, the confidence that we had in our team, the guys that we had to, to do all the little things to win, right? I mean, you can have all the skill in the world, but if you lose puck battles and, and you don't get the puck out when you, when you have the opportunity or get the pucks in when you have the opportunity and, you know, just make silly plays um, too often, you know, you get burned. And, and, and at the same time, you know, guys are going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. It's mistakes, right? But do is are the other guys in the ice able to make up for your mistakes or, or cover for you or get the job done despite your mistake? And that's where I think there's was such a great culture there. I mean, I mentioned this in an interview uh, a couple months ago, but over the quarantine last year, uh, you know, NHL network was showing those games from those two cup runs and, you know, I'm just sitting around doing nothing. So, you know, I, I taped them and, and I'd watch them at night. And I mean, it was, it was awesome to see how great everyone played i mean from, uh you know sid played awesome phil played great gino played awesome tang played great i mean murray and flurry were both unbelievable but like even the guys you don't think about like eric fair was so great in 16 like chris kunitz doing his chris kunitz things which you know i mean obviously has the skill to play and make plays but i mean winning every puck battle um, getting every puck out of our end. I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty awesome to watch. Like, you know, as a defenseman, you put a puck up to the winger, like there was about a 99% chance that puck was getting over the blue line and getting out of our zone and easing the pressure and easing the, easing the, uh, the momentum the other team had. I mean, they were winning, like those pucks weren't coming back in. 
And, um, and that says a lot about our forward group, how great they played. I mean, how dedicated they were to getting the job done. I mean, Nick Bonino, um, uh, Matt Cullen, uh, and even, uh, you know, defensemen. I mean, uh, Ole played great. Ben Lovejoy played great for us. Ron Hainsey came in and played awesome. Trevor Daly was fantastic. Like all these guys that, you know, um, you know, might not have the, uh, you know, the names of, of Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and, and Phil Kessel, but, uh, you know, maybe not were equally as, uh, as instrumental to us winning, but, you know, without these guys, we would not have won. Um, you know, like I said, you can have all the skill in the world, but if you don't have the depth and, and the players to back up the skill, uh, you're not going to be able to get the job done when, every, when, when the good teams have four lines of good players and six, and, and six good defensemen. So, um, it was it was really cool to watch and, and you know something I knew but but really I think was cemented during during this quarantine when I was able to rewatch the games again. Uh, uh, both of those cups you won, like all of the Penguins cups before them, uh, involved going through Washington. Uh, what were those battles with uh, the Caps and, and Ovechkin like for you guys and for you in particular? Yeah. No, I think, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, the players they have on their team, you know, you know, their roster and, you know, the reputation of the, of the Penguins were, oh, they're small, they're skilled, you know, go run them, go try to, you know, kill all the guys you can. And, um, you know, I think we had a great, a great mindset as far as like, just play, play through it, right? Play through it, just play, get the job done, regardless of what happens, go back out, jump over the boards, get the job done. And, um, you know, they were coming to hit us and they were coming to run us. And, you know, Ovi would get pissed that, you know, they're losing or, or he'd try to run around and hit everybody that moved, you know, for a period or two. And I remember one time he came to hit me and, and I was just like, I'm like, really? Like, that's it? Like, that's all you got? And he was all pissed off. And I, and I was just like, man, you're, well, I don't want to swear, but I was just, man, you're kind of a, you're kind of a sissy. Like, that's, that's really it. I mean, I mean I'll, I'll, I'll take that hit all, all series long. Like, kidding me that was nothing like hit like a little like a baby uh this is me uh this is me changing some words by the way in case you couldn't tell um but uh but yeah no it was uh and and i think just that being able to take the abuse and then being able to go score at at the same time was was huge for us and you know you got ovi on the uh ovi on the on the far side the power play there um you know, doing, doing his OB thing, taking one timers. And, and that was a huge, um, you know, responsibility that I was given to go play the right side. And, you know, I was playing the left all year and, and PK on the left side. And, uh, you know, basically it was, Hey, like go play the right side and go block Ovechkin's one timer every time you get a chance, like leave a little early, get out there, block the shot every time. And I was like, perfect. No problem. Done. So, you know, I I do my job net front. I do everything else I was supposed to do, and then as soon as it looked like it was about to maybe start to get over there, I was full speed out down in the shot lane. And uh, if he was going to try to miss me with the shot, hopefully I, it, it would go wide. And that was kind of where my head was at. And then if, when it hit me, it hit me great. And um, you know, not that we shut down their power play completely because I think that's impossible with with the personnel they have on it. But I think we did a good job limiting them. And uh, not letting their power play control the series, which you know is a pretty tough, a tough ask with with the guys they have on it. So uh, it was it was great experience. Both of those years was was great. It felt so good to beat those guys. I mean, then obviously they had their they had the time in the sun. You know what the following year or the year after. So 
Ian, Ian, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, give us your favorite Phil Kessel story. Your teammates for a couple of years. Uh, Phil's kind of a folk hero, as are you in this town. Uh, wh- what's your favorite Phil Kessel story? Oh, man, that's tough. That's tough. There are too many, too many good ones. Um, uh, I'm trying to think here. Uh, let's see. You should, you should have, uh, you should have told me this beforehand. And I could have thought of a, a better one and been prepared for this. Um, yeah, I, I can't think of one in particular that, that really sticks out as like a great Phil Kessel story. Um, because there are a bunch, uh, you know, we, you know, there was a group of us that would go to dinner on the road a bunch, uh, you know, probably 10, 12, you know, upwards of 14, 16 guys, uh, that would go to dinner pretty much all the time on the road. And, um, you know, he would, <laughs> he was, he was there all the time ordering his, uh, ordering his Caesars. Uh, every time we sat down, um, guy loves the Caesars. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, we had some, we had some great conversations. He, he's certainly an interesting cat. Um, but, uh, obviously a great player for us and, and, uh, you know, uh, couldn't have done it without him. I mean, he was so instrumental for us in winning both of those years. And, um, you know, obviously I think that uh, things maybe went downhill after those two years with, with him and Sully. But, uh, you know, a, a fantastic player that, uh, you know, we definitely couldn't have won without him. Yeah. Caesars over hot dogs? No hot dogs? Uh, you know, I think preferably it would be hot dogs in Caesars as far as a garnish. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he, uh, I, I would say, uh, if he were, if you asked him, he would say Caesars over hot dogs for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ian, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and wherever you land, who knows, maybe you're back in Pittsburgh. Uh, it's, uh, great talking to you. Great catching up with you. And, uh, Enjoy the coming season. And, and that's it for us uh, this week on the 66 to 87 podcast for our special guest, Ian Cole, two time Stanley Cup winner, Taylor Haas, Dave Molinari. This is Tom Reed. We'll see you next week. <laughs>